0: Let's go ahead and bow our heads, and we'll be in Genesis 8. Lord, we just thank you for the time we've had to worship you in singing. We ask that you help us to be very desperate for you, that we realize that you are our all in all. And Lord, as we said, we ask that you use us. Do what it takes to melt us, mold us, fill us, and use us. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 8. Last week, we left Moses, uh, yeah, Moses, yeah. We left Noah on that boat with all the animals stuck on the top of a mountain. So let's uh, continue here on verse uh, 13. And it came to pass in the 601st year, of the first month, of the first day of the month, the waters were dried up and off of all the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked. And behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month of the seventh, 27th day of the month was the earth dried. And God spoke unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring forth with you every living thing that is with you of all the flesh, both of fowl and of cattle and of every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives with him, every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, and whatsoever crept upon the earth, after their kinds, went forth from the ark. And Noah built an ark, an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled the sweet savour, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imaginations of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat. And summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. We're going to stop there for just a moment. And we're going to look at this. Noah was in the ark for one year and 20 days. Now that's a pretty long time to be stuck in a boat. In one spot. And even a large boat is going to seem very confining after that long a period of time. And, you know, we kind of think of this, you know, many people never realize how long he spent in that, that boat. Oh, God sent the rain, 40 days, it flooded everything, and then they got right back off. Well, they did get right back off, but it took a while. You know, it took close to a year for the water to recede completely. And even that is pretty quick if you think about it. There's times when you hear about floods on rivers that last for weeks at a time, months at a time before the water finally recedes, and we're talking about water that flooded the whole earth. And Jesus and God did a bunch of cataclysmic things. He opened up deep trenches in the in the oceans to really flow the water off, and we see the effect of that flow, flowing water. We see uh, sediment from. Our area here, all across the United States, from when the, from the flows. In Australia, there's a place that has a 1,500-mile place where you find you know, sediment from way up in the center part out to the out to the ocean. God moved a lot of water quickly, and here we see the patience of Noah. Not that he had a whole lot of choice; he had no place else to go. <laughs> but you got to think. If we talk about the patience of Job, but you know, think about the patience that. That Noah had first he's told 120 years before the flood to go build a boat and he, and he obeyed God how many of us would obey God for 120 years without question most of us can't even go weeks to months without question much less years and decades and, and over a century and he's in the boat and when God sent out the water God said go forth and remember, God sealed the ark and God opened the ark. And he told him to go, go forth. And it's interesting when we look at this that he says that they are to go forth and they are to breed abundantly and multiply and be fruitful. That's the same command God gave in Genesis 1. Be fruitful and multiply. And that has been followed ever since <laughs> to some degree or another. Until recently, and recently, they're really trying to push back on, we got too many people in the world. Satan doesn't like humanity because he knows that humans are God's prime creation. His whole goal in life is to, or not life in his case, <laughs> is to take as much of God's precious humanity away from him as possible. That's his whole goal. He, you know, they say misery loves company, but he knows that hell does not have company, but he does want to hurt God. He wants to hurt God, and we look at this after Noah gets off the off the ark. The very first thing he does to prove that he is a righteous person is he builds an ark. He builds, oh, excuse me, altar. I wanted to just say ark today, so gonna <laughs> be one of those days. I take it. <laughs> he builds an altar, and worships God. And you look at what he did. It said he took one of every. Clean animal. And remember, when we talked about this two weeks ago. Most people, when you ask them how many animals did, did Noah take on the ark, they will always tell you two of each kind, which is what it says. But he took seven pairs of the clean animals. Why? They were going to be offerings. <laughs> they were going to be offerings when he got off the ark, so God gave, had him take animals that were worth offering to be able to make the offering and not destroy the species. Could you imagine they got off the boat there's maybe one maybe one young one then they offer they offer the clean animals no more no more clean animals for the rest of your your time. So God had already made provisions for the offerings to continue. You know, we think about this. How often does God ask us to do something is all the time. Our songs this morning, it's amazing when I when we sing these songs. I pick these songs like 2 weeks ahead of time and And don't even really know what I'm preaching on, and yet they always match the song, match what's being preached on. But we talked. The songs we did were all about giving ourselves to God. God is expecting us to serve Him. We saw the the clip from the Lottie Moon. Did you notice what the missionaries kept saying over and over again? They never being a missionary was nothing like what they expected. I've heard that from every missionary I've ever talked to personally it was not what they expected they, they, they fell in love with people God would do little things to to allow them to share the gospel the good news is it's exactly what he does here <laughs> he gives us the words to say he puts us in the right place at the right time to speak to people if we will just open our mouth do we love the lost world enough to open our mouth and share the gospel they're headed to hell. That alone, whether you loved them or not, I hope you don't hate them enough to say, I want you to go to hell. Now, we have a lot of people in the world that say, well, you just go to hell, you know, and they they do not know what they're saying in reality. They do not understand the severity of hell. And that topic is not a good big one right now. Most churches are downplaying the idea of hell. But it is a real place and it is the destination of everybody who rejects Jesus Christ. There is no hope for them if they reject Jesus. And they will spend eternity in what is described as the lake of fire that does not consume. The place where the worm, which is the conscience, bothers them for eternity. And if you've ever had your conscience bothered you, can you imagine what it would be like for eternity you're here because you chose it you've made these decisions and remind you of every wrong choice that you made including rejecting Jesus and the thing is people well, how could God send them there he doesn't send them there you choose to go there how do they choose to go to they reject Jesus Christ every single person knows that they need need God to be their answer our job is to tell them that Jesus is the way to avoid it. And people will go well you're just trying to scare people into heaven. I'm going oh thank God, I'll scare, if that's what it takes I'll scare them into heaven. I mean that's how, if that's the only thing that'll get them into heaven, I'll scare them into heaven, it doesn't bother me. I would rather have them come because God loves them and they want to, but I really don't care how they get to heaven. It doesn't bother me. Now I won't try to scare children into heaven, that, that's not going to work. But I'll scare adults into heaven because they're old enough to know. But, you know, we need to look at this. God gave the provision. God fills your mouth. Have you ever been witnessing to somebody and said things you didn't even know you knew? (laughs) Because God has given you the words to say, say to the people. I've done it a lot of times. Go out talking on the street and be able to answer questions I didn't even know that I had ever thought about. Granted I'd studied the stuff was there in my mind to begin with, but God will fill our mouths. That's what he told the disciples. Don't worry about what you will say at the council. In other words, the Holy Spirit's going to fill your mouth. Just open your mouth. Now that doesn't mean we go in totally unprepared. We We need to look at the word. We need to study the word. We need to fill our minds with the answers. But it is amazing how God can dredge up something that you heard 40 years ago. And say, here's the answer for this, for this place. And the spirit speaks through us. God makes the provision. If he calls you to do something, he gives you the provision. And all of us are called to share the gospel. Go ye therefore unto all the earth, world, preaching and teaching the gospel. Making disciples. That is our job as Christians, is to share the gospel with other people. Not everybody's called to be a Sunday school teacher. Not everybody's called to be a pastor. Not everybody's called to be a missionary to go out and build churches around the world, but all of us are called to share the gospel. Very important for us to understand. And we've gone over the gospel so many times. Any one of you can give the gospel. I've given it enough you probably could repeat it back to me. We are sinners. We deserve punishment. Jesus died for our sin so that we could go to heaven. You can give that to 30 seconds to everybody. It's real simple. Now, it's a lot better when you put on the scriptures, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but God provided, but God, the wages of sin is death, but God provided the, the gift of God is eternal life. <laughs> and I know that one off the top of my head with no problem. Uh, God commended his love toward us, that so while we yet sinners, Christ died for us. Real simple. Even if you quote the scriptures, you don't need more than a minute to be able to tell them the gospel. And yet we're oftentimes afraid. What are we afraid of? The biggest thing people are afraid of, and I've gone through several evangelism classes, and I've mentioned this before. The one thing almost everybody is always afraid of is what if somebody asks me something I can't answer? All right? And I've given you the answer to that one too. We think it's the worst thing that can happen to you, and I tell you, it's the best thing that can happen to you. You go, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to go find out the answer. Can we meet <laughs> two days from now, next week, whatever it takes? Now you, t- now you get to give them the gospel twice. <laughs> we need to get really motivated to share the gospel with people. If there's anybody in your family that you have not shared the gospel with, share it with them. Share it to them this week. This is a great week to be sharing the gospel. We're coming on to Christmas. Jesus came, and then we explain why Jesus came. The gospel, <laughs> the gospel message, what God asks us to do, He prepares us for, He gives us the grace for, He gives us the ability to to do. And then, as Noah got off this ark, the very first thing he did was give God thanks. We need to be so thankful for God. And we're told, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus in you. Do we give God thanks for everything? Most of us give thanks when we have good things. Okay, that's the really easy, God, thank you for this extra money, thank you for these gifts, thank you for this friend, thank you for the great day. But that's not what the verse tells us to do. The verse says, in everything everything give thanks. Why do we give thanks for everything? Because God has a plan for it. It might be that he's trying to grow us. It might be that he's testing whether we truly believe him. It might be just to show that we're faithful in the hard times and have non-Christians look at us and say, "Wow, I don't know how they made it through that. I would have been, I would have been in the middle of a drunken stupor or drugged out of, out of my mind or committed suicide if I went through what they did. Our example when we're following God can be very strong to say, I am trusting God. I am going to give thanks. And if you start practicing it, how down can you be if you're giving thanks? (laughs) You know, you have a very bad day, you have a very bad week, maybe you have a bad month. I don't, I've never had a bad month, but maybe you've had bad months. Start praising God for all, everything that he's giving you and I see how long you can stay down when you're praising God. I love to when I'm having a hard time is I just will quote a verse to myself or sing a chorus. Sing a sing a Christian chorus to myself. Sometimes people look at me and go, What are you doing? I'm going, I'm just singing. I'm <laughs> having a good day. Yeah. Sing a song like God is so good and see how long you can stay unhappy. You know, a song like I was singing this morning before Sunday school, Cheer up, you saints of God. How long can you be unhappy while you're singing about cheering up? Yeah. We want to think about these things. You know, when everything's going bad, I've told you all, my favorite verse in the Bible is John, uh, Romans eight twenty eight: For all things work together for, for good for those who are called according to the purpose of God. Why? Because when everything's going bad, I go, God, I don't understand it. You've got a reason. And it's for good. We need to learn these things. We need to learn how to edify ourselves and say, God, I'm going to just praise you. I'm going to give you thanks. I'm going to lift you up because you are worth worthy. You are the one who's going to keep me. You're the one who's going to help. Noah had just gone, gotten saved from the, from the world's destruction. And his first thing he did was thank God deliverance. Eight people in the world left and a bunch of animals. And even those animals only had two by two except for the clean. And then God looked down he saw Noah's sacrifice. God looks at the sacrifices we make. He looks at the praises we make. He looks at when we honor him and it touches his heart. Now why it touches his heart, I don't understand all of that, but he really enjoys obedience. Much as we do and our kids would be obedient, where they do that just, you know, they've been really bad all week long and then they come in with the the picture or the handmade item, which really wasn't all that nice necessarily, but they go, here, this is for you. And you you just felt all your disappointment melt away, at least for a few minutes, you know, because they, had done something just to say, I love you in a, in a special way. God's heart is touched in that same way. And God said he will no, not again destroy people, all of mankind because their imaginations were evil. Note here that God did not say that man had changed. <laughs> Every imagination of man's heart was still evil. And God knew that. In Jeremiah, we're told that our hearts are deceitful and wicked beyond all comprehension. Now, most of us kind of think, especially if we're Christians and we walking with God, well, my heart's pretty good. You know, I am coming to the conclusion the more I've walked with God, the more I realize that my heart is pretty, pretty stinking evil. <laughs> you know, it wants to do the wrong things all the time. Now, God's spirit in me kind of controls it and keeps it in check. But my desires are just like everybody else's. I desire at times to do the wrong things. All of us do. God's Spirit can help keep that in check. But you know, I've also learned over the time as I look down into my heart and see you know, how evil things are. Most of us, if we've walked with God any length of time, have knocked out a lot of the bad things that everybody looks at. But you know, our hearts are evil. Our very heart is evil. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught, you know, you know, you've heard it say, don't commit adultery. He says, I say to you, if you look at somebody with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery in your heart. If you don't commit murder, but if you are, are angry with a brother without reason, you've committed murder in your heart. He raised the standard so high and we look at our hearts. How often do we get angry with something? We might not even say it. We might not even let them see it. At least we think they don't see it. (laughs) But we've still gotten angry with somebody for no reason. We've had these thoughts and God says, those are sin as well. And then every time I talk about this, I always add the caveat, the consequences are not the same for thinking it and doing it, okay? There's a big difference in consequence. But the sin has still been committed as far as God's concerned. He knows that man has not changed since the flood. But he says, I'm not going to destroy the world because of this. Now he is going to destroy it at the end of time and recreate it, but it's not being destroyed because of the sin of man. He's destroyed. Well, it is being destroyed because of the sin of man, but not because of their sins, because man has polluted this world. And we talked about that. Remember when we talked about the fall, it didn't just change Adam and Eve. God had placed them in charge of all of the creation, and the whole world changed. Thorns and thistles were produced. Death came into the world. Everything about the world has been changed. Paul said it that the, the earth groans <laughs> for the end because of how much it has been destroyed. Man had an impact on this world that was very negative. Jesus came to be able to buy back men and God's only option at the end of the millennial kingdom will be destroy everything and start all over. And that will be after people have had their choices. So we want to encourage everybody, what is God asking you to do? Step out and do it. Step out in faith. No matter how scared you are doing it, step out. It's amazing the the individuals we have that talk about talking to other people, I love it. Talk to people. All of you have been in line somewhere at some store, wasting time, maybe even grumbling about how slow the line is moving. Uh, What if you, instead of grumbling about how slow the line is moving, talk to the person in front or behind you? They're probably not gonna get out of line to go to another long line. (laughs) You don't have to be obnoxious about it. You could say, hey, do you know about, do you have a personal relationship to Jesus? Where do you think you'll go after you die? You know, engage them and then give them the gospel. Only takes a couple seconds to do so. And you know what? Maybe one of them might just accept Jesus as their Lord and savior. Then you can encourage him to go to church. Now, if you're in Kingman, you probably aren't gonna encourage him to come here, but <laughs> encourage him to go to church because I don't care where they go to church anyway. I I want them to be in church to hear the word of God. As long as it's a good church is all we're looking for. But let's step out. Let's go out, especially this time of year when it's a great time to witness. This is an easy time to witness to people, an easy time to invite people to come to church, and they're more willing to listen. Besides which, all the music they're listening to is about Jesus anyway, (laughs) except for all those Jingle Bell songs. (laughs) so let's go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity. Lord, we ask that you give us opportunities to share you with others, to, to lift up the gospel message, to move forward and, and tell others about Jesus. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.